perception that bid protests are mucking up the federal procurement process, it's one of those urban myths that won't die. You know, like Paul McCartney actually died in a car crash in 1966, or the Air Force has UFOs and little green men tucked away. Despite the fact that these theories are continually disproven, the myths just won't go away. There's plenty of people who swear they still hear Paul is dead when you play Revolution Number no. 9 backwards. In his weekly feature, The Reporter's Notebook, executive editor Jason Miller explains why a new initiative from the General Services Administration could go a long way to once and for all dispel the myth that bid protests are making federal procurement slow and complex. Jason joins me now in studio with more. And so what is GSA actually doing on this particular myth? In government, Tom, there's an acronym for everything. So GSA has launched a pilot called INFORM, In-Depth. Feedback through open reporting methods informed. Someone someone got paid hopefully a lot of money to come up with that. But what this basically is is enhanced debriefings, and this is a term we've been hearing about over the last year or so, usually with DOD and, and, and the Homeland Security Department and others. But GSA launched this pilot, and this is something I have to give a lot of credit to GSA Administrator Emily Murphy. When I did an interview with her shortly after she was confirmed in 2018, and she said to me, one of the things I want to look at is enhanced debriefings, and boom, here we are. Just about a year later, kicking off this pilot. And what GSA basically will do is over the next nine months, look at 50 different acquisitions, different sizes, different types, different from, from public building service to federal acquisition service, and say, how can we apply this method to the, the unsuccessful bidders? And I think that's a really important thing to do is, is to give unsuccessful bidders more information than they have ever had before so they understand why they lost. And the key here, Tom, is is – to make them better bidders, according to GSA. But the experts I talked to says really the key here is to stop bid protests. Yes, a lot of protests, I guess, then the implication is are simply the fact that people want more information about why they lost that they didn't get in debriefings, which tend to be pretty succinct sometimes. Absolutely. In fact, I talked to Rob Burton. He's an attorney with Crowell Mooring and a former deputy administrator of the Office of Federal Procurement Policy. And he basically tells me most debriefings are handled through written, short explanations about why you lost and they're totally ineffective. He says they raise all sorts of questions for contractors, which are never answered, but only answered many times through a bid protest. And Rob has told me this story, and I brought this up to him when I talked to him. And he goes, how do you remember that, Jason, if you know Rob? And it just stuck out to me because he said, I had a client. The client lost a procurement. Rob went to the to the agency and said, let me see the documents. The agency said, no. Rob said, listen, you either show me the documents or I'll protest and I'll see the documents anyways. Let's save ourselves time and energy. Rob said, they showed me the documents. About an hour later, I knew we had no chance to win the protest and we didn't protest. And that is exactly what these enhanced debriefings are supposed to do is to, to encourage education and understanding and transparency. Now, this idea has come up from time to time. Why does it seem to be getting more attention now, do you think? I think there's two things going on here, Tom. Number one is I think industry is demanding it. I talked to a professor from the Defense Acquisition University, Michelle Courier, and she says, listen, at one time, let's say 30, 40, 50 years ago, the government was the only game in town. But for to get innovation and commercial companies to really do business with the government, they want more from the government, they not just, hey, you lost to tough luck, but tell me why. How do I do better? So I think she, she believes that's one reason why. The other is I think that they're seeing that this actually makes a difference. The Defense Department was told by Congress in the 2018 Defense Authorization Bill to do enhanced debriefings. As I mentioned, the Homeland Security Department and the Procurement Innovation Lab have really expanded how they contact 
work with, talk to uh, industry. And I think they're seeing that's making a difference. And other agencies also are, are in small pockets are following the same suit. So I think it's, it's a push and a pull that's happening. Yeah, I think probably some agency contracting officers might be worried that they would be discovered and cause a protest if they give too much debriefing. But, you know, as the evidence shows, the anecdotes, just the opposite is true. So what are some of the things agencies need to keep in mind when they agree to and conduct these enhanced debriefings? And I think your point that you made is actually right on because you, if agencies are confident in what they did – there should be no question. Now, they still may get a protest, but you need to be confident. And that's actually – there's four really big things that that agencies should keep in mind. And these came from Tim Cook, the president and CEO of ASI Government. Now, what ASI Government does is they work with agencies on the front end of procurement. But they also help them on the back end of a, of a procurement when they're maybe putting together documents to – after a bid, a bid has been awarded. And, and Tim lays out four areas, consistency. Be consistent. The debriefing should just be, as he said, a new chapter in the same procurement story. Participation. The entire team has to participate in the debriefing, not just the contracting officer, but the source selection technical team. Uh, your point, don't be afraid to talk. Be confident in what you have. Talk about it and, and and know that what you did is right. And finally, transparency. Share everything that you can and everything that's not sensitive That's that because it's going to come out anyways, as Rob Burton's example in the protest. So share it now versus later. I wonder what would happen if during a debriefing like that, it occurred to the contracting officer or the source selection team talking to the vendors, if it occurred to them, you know what, vendor B should have gotten this as a matter of fact. Well, Is there any legal mechanism for that? That's a great question. I think what they can, they can take corrective action, right? Once a contract is awarded, it doesn't mean it is final, done, said, you know, kaput. But so I think there's probably a way for them to say, wait a minute, we're going to we're going to pull that award back and relook at it. How that works legally, you'll have to get Rob Burton to tell us. All right. We're speaking with Federal News Network's executive editor, Jason Miller. And uh, while we have you, you're also writing about some interesting nuggets you're finding as you dig into the 2019 budget deal. Now about a week old. What are you finding? What's fascinating about the budget bill is filled with policy. And everyone kind of questions, why is an appropriations bill filled with policy? And the answer is quite simply because that's the bill that gets passed and, and the legislators put as much into it as they can. So I did specifically looking for anything around IT modernization, uh, technology, CIO authorities as an example. And there's several interesting things that came up. First of all, let's start with IT modernization, Tom. We know the technology modernization fund, the TMF fund, only got $25 million. This is down from $100 million in 2019 and way down from the administration's request of $210 million. But Let's dig a little deeper, right? Let's put our mining hats on, shine the light into those budgets. And what we find, actually, Tom, is that OMB received uh, their coffers filled up in other ways. For instance, the IT Oversight and Reform Fund, the ITOR Fund, got a $9.5 million raise over 2018 to $28.5 million. Now, Congress says we expect OMB to use this to provide oversight of federal IT activities and investments, including the IT dashboard, OMB policy library. But what this does is it gives OMB more money to make these things work better to help agencies modernize. The other thing that got a little bump was the Federal Citizen Services Fund up $5 million to $55 million. And basically what GSA said in this justification is for things like cloud cybersecurity, FedRAMP, or login.gov. Again, both pieces that with more money can make things go faster to help agencies modernize more quickly. And you could argue those fall under modernization because they do modernize things. And they would also have a across-the-government effect in the modernizing. Exactly. Now, what they can't do with the Federal Citizen Services Fund or the ITOR is give money to an agency for a specific project. But for instance, and this is maybe more hypothetical, if an agency wants to improve its 
ability to have single sign-on and login.gov is a service the agencies GSA potentially could pay for that service for that first year for that agency so they could they could consolidate their their single sign-on and make it easier for citizens to do business with that government with the government so i think that's just an example of that just because the TMF only got a little bit of money, there's plenty of money out there to, to make IT modernization happen more quickly. Yeah, so we could have a little bit of convergence between modernization and shared services. There's always a convergence between modernization and shared services. You're absolutely right, Tom. Anything else we should know about? So the other thing that popped out that was really interesting to me was there. there's a whole host of CIO authorities that they addressed in here. And first of all, they reiterated the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act and, and, and what those authorities but if you dig just, again, a little deeper, there's two things that stand out. One, uh, the Agriculture Department. And, and they say very specifically to the Agriculture Department where um, none of these firms, funds may be appropriated without the CIO's written notification and approval, as well as the approval of the House and, and Senate Appropriations Committees. And that just reiterated the power of the Agriculture Department's CIO. And then the other really interesting thing came in the State Department. There were two provisions there, Tom. One, again, CIO authorities, specifically around foreign service, which has been a big problem of getting the, the, the State Department CIO and the foreign service folks to kind of see eye to eye. And then another one on the Technology Modernization Fund as well, where they said you cannot apply for or get money from the Technology Modernization Fund unless if Congress approves how you're going to use that money. Two kind of very differing but similar, if you will, provisions because they're both talking about CIOs and IT modernization. One, they're giving CIOs more authority, but two, they're taking it away by saying, no, no, no TMF unless if we approve it. All right. So the lesson is read that document if you think your agency might be affected. Maybe read my story first and then read the document. That's what I recommend. Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Tom. And check out his notebook now online at federalnewsnetwork.com. 